So we're, we're talking about worldview. For lack of a better way of explaining it, a worldview is a way that a person views the world. So in other words, it's, it's the sum of all the, presupp the presuppositions and assumptions that inform a person's perception of all things in life. So I'm wearing glasses. My glasses affect how I'm looking at you. And that's, that's what worldview is. It's the philosophical, ideological glasses that a person wears when they're looking at the world. So if, if we're going to have a Christian worldview, we need to have a biblical worldview. Because it, it, as Christians, the Bible is our rule for faith and life. And you can't have a Christian worldview divorced from the Bible. So uh, we're going to look. You'll see on this first page I have a chart. We, have, we got staple versions of this, too, if you want that. But I've got this chart. Um, and I've got eight categories that we're going to kind of look at. Now, obviously, when, I'm, when we're talking about worldview, there's a lot more we can discuss. I've only got three worldviews. There's a lot more different worldviews. Um, if you're interested in that kind of thing, I've got some recommended resources on the back. Just These are just books. I would recommend you read them in that order. Um, the first book from James Anderson, What's Your Worldview? He, part of that book is kind of helping the reader figure out where they're coming from. And what happens when people read that book is they find out, hey, I actually don't have a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. They answer all the questions and they go, okay, I have a secular worldview or I have a moral therapeutic worldview. So um, that's a good book. And he also explains uh, like 25 different worldviews in, in pretty good detail. So that's good. And the second one, um, Against All Opposition, that one is a defense of the Christian worldview. Now, I wouldn't recommend every book that that guy wrote, but that's a very good book. So, um, so we're going to look at these. Uh, also, um, these eight categories, um, or I think it's seven categories, I'm sorry. That's coming from the Universe Next Door, the fifth book there. So James Sire worked with, uh, I think he died like in 2008, but he worked with InterVarsity and uh, did a lot of work with them in the 70s and 80s. So but he's a good author. So from a Christian worldview, I'm going to, there's a lot on this page, so I'm going to move quickly, but feel free to stop me or ask questions or whatever. I've also got, I don't have all the scriptures listed, but I've got several of the scriptures. I think I've got at least one from each category on this key scriptures page. So um, you can try to flip through, but I would discourage that. <laughs> so um, the first category is prime reality. What this, what we're talking about, when we're talking about the prime reality is what is the source of reality? Um, what is like when you go all the way back, when you say this caused this caused this, what is what is the last thing? So you can't have infinite. We would call it infinite regress, where you just go back forever, turtles all the way down. You can't you can't do that. There's an end point, and for the Christian, that's the triune God of Scripture. I'm being very um, specific when I use the word triune. If if you don't have a triune God then it, it doesn't work the same way. And you'll see that with moral therapeutic theism. Um, a couple of other worldviews I don't have, like, for example, Islam, they don't have a triune God, and that affects a bunch of other things down this line. So um, you see that in John 1.1 1, 1 in particular with the incarnation of Jesus. 
So that's the prime reality. The source of everything is the triune God of Scripture. The external reality is everything that, like the world that we're in, our own spirits, the created order would be the external reality. And so what Christians believe about that is that, the, and I use the word cosmos as kind of a catch-all term for the whole universe, is real. It's created by God. It's Genesis 1. And it's destined for redemption. So um, this world is, depending on how you you can formulate this different ways, but heaven is eventually going to be the physical world as well. So heaven and earth come together. It's not um, just heaven is some spiritual place that we go to forever. Jesus actually redeems the physical world as well. So the whole creation is redeemed. The nature of man, what are we like? Man is body and soul. Man is dead in sin and radically evil, radically meaning to the root. Um, not that everything we do is evil, but uh, we, we produce evil from the root, from, the, from our hearts. And man possesses a constrained will, constrained by sin, constrained by um, the will of God, constrained by nature. If I go jump off the building, no matter how much I want to fly, I'm not going to fly. Um, so our wills are constrained. You can see that in Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. God decrees, and we are bound by God's decree. The afterlife, Christians believe that believers go in spirit to be with the Lord. Unbelievers go in spirit to the Lord's judgment. And all will be bodily, res bodily resurrected and judged on the last day. So you see that in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, we shall not all sleep, but we, all sh we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall be changed. So um, that's a key thing. A lot of times we forget about that. We're, the Christians don't believe that heaven and hell just kind of exist eternally um, with, with no end. There's actually a resurrection and a judgment, and we're going to be physically raised from the dead and will physically live on earth with Jesus uh, in the redeemed earth. Um, the source of knowledge, where do we get knowledge from? Well, first we're created in the image of God. It's Genesis 1 um, So that's how we are able to know things, right? Um, because we're created in the image of God, God is the source of all knowledge. God knows all things. That's, that's how we know things. But also, God reveals truth to us in two ways. First, through nature, and also through Scripture. So Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So we go outside, we look in the sky, and we can see there's a sun. Somebody made that. Somebody put that there. Um, so God reveals things about himself through nature. And we would call that natural revelation or general revelation. And God also reveals himself through scripture. Um, if you look at Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So there's actually, you can see in Hebrews 1, there's a progression where God is speaking to the prophets. We have what the prophets said in our Bibles. And then he speaks to us 
through the Son, and um, who is the Word of God. I can explain more about what that means, but that's a, another discussion. Um, where do Christians get our morality from? We get it from God's law. So um, even if we don't have the Bible, Romans 2, this is the second to last scripture here. For when Gentiles who did not have the law, he's talking about the written law in the Bible, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. So when people who don't have the Bible naturally, um, by conscience, um, by common courtesy, obey the law, they are doing it because God has written it um, on our souls. It's built into us, the law is. So our source of morality, our source of all morality is God's law. It's um, So even people that have different religious texts, different traditions that aren't Christian, they do good things, they obey the law, or they do, and we can acknowledge that they break the law, not because of their own religious texts say that, they're, they're getting all of that from God's innate writing that on, on their, on their souls. And obviously we have a fuller expression of that in the Bible, which is better. It is better than having it just written on your soul. And finally, the meaning of human history. Generally human history serves to glorify God, but specifically um, God intends to redeem the whole created universe under the kingship of Christ. Philippians 2, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the point of all this is that Jesus would be king. The point of everything is that eventually we'll all bow before Jesus, every one of us. And so that's the Christian worldview in a, in a nutshell, this, we, we have to keep in mind that it, if we deviate from this, if we're deviating from the worldview of, of the Bible, we're deviating from what God has said, what God has decreed. And um, what often happens is, is we look at this and we say, okay, but I object to that. And in fact, we actually had one student when we were looking at this in our um, retreat. I, I said the thing about man possessing a constrained will. And he said, but wait, I didn't think that, I thought we had free will. And we, we talked about it, but um, you, have to, you have to recognize, before we can know what is false, we have to know what's true. And so when you're thinking about worldview, you have to, uh, continue to be in the Bible, continue to be uh, studying the Bible, to be relying on the Bible as your source of truth. And when we're looking at the world, we need to take off all those other glasses and put on our, I, I think I use the word Bible glasses in the notes. So um, are there any questions? I, I went through that really fast, but are there any questions about the Christian worldview? Okay. When, just to kind of, and we can circle back around yeah. with this, but this is true not only with college students, but also with retirees. Right. But when people, we all have ideas about what we think is right and wrong or good and bad. 
And nowadays, by the way, and social media has blown this out of proportion, everybody gets to opine on, well, I don't think we should, I think this is bad when we hurt the environment this way, or I don't think these people, or this is bad and it's wrong for these people to have this money when these people don't have this or whatever. And, you know, you get into all these specific arguments, okay? It's extremely important and helpful to be able to ask people, well, why do you say that? What's your... What's the basis of how can you determine that? And when people say, well, you shouldn't legislate morality. Well, by the way, speaking of general revelation, pretty much every society that at least has survived for a decent amount of time, you know, says rape and murder are against the law. Well, those are moral judgments, right? <laughs> but, but, but there's some people who say, well, you can't legislate morality, but you can have those. You just let, so requiring people to answer questions and think about well, what, what is my construct of what's right and wrong is really important. And it gets back into these discussions about, okay, well, where are you coming from? A similar kind of thing right now going on is your worldview pretty much really colors the way you're viewing the current pandemic and how much you freak out over what issues related to the pandemic. If, by the way, you're living in the second one, the second column that Reed is about to get to, and again, he's just giving us general, like major ones. But if I believe that this is pretty much all there is, then I am freaking out if I might die from COVID or anybody I know might die from COVID, and we need to stop the world if necessary because this is all there is. And, um, you know, I'm going to lose everything if I die or if you die, y'all get the picture, right? Okay. So th this is a, that, that, that's what you're about to get to. But in other words, stuff that people argue about and post on websites and argue on TV and radio and social media all day long, these are revealing of worldviews, and it's very helpful, by the way, when you're evangelizing or discipling college students, not to get into just particular arguments over whether this tree should be cut down or not, but to pull back into what values, worldview, and faith are we talking about. So does everybody get that? Okay. And that's what, a lot of times, what ends up happening with you know, debates about this sort of thing is this is the level that we need to be having debates at, right? Not not at the level of um, yeah, yeah, po yeah where? policy <laughs> decisions. It's it's a it's a worldview thing where what are your presuppositions? Because that's what we debate about. What our, our policy uh, proposals and, and whatnot, those are all coming coming from with logical conclusions from our presuppositions. And so like like you said, in an evangelism situation. Sure, it matters that I think uh, homosexuality is wrong, or it matters that I think um, that Jesus raised from the dead. But um, we have to we have to go to a higher level. Instead of debating the historicity of the resurrection, we need to debate: okay, what do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about truth? Because my view of Jesus uh, doesn't just appear on its own. It comes from somewhere that it's coming from God's revelation. And if we have different sources of authority, that's, that's what we need to be debating about. What's your source of authority? Who's, who's the source of all things. And so 
And if I believe there's no way a miracle could happen, right. we, we need to get to that issue before we get into a specific issue, like right. what happened with Jonah or something like that. Because right? you're not going to convince somebody that a miracle happened, no matter how much evidence you have, if they don't believe in miracles, right? So that's, that's why this is important, because um, what, and like I said earlier, what often happens is we don't, we don't recognize that these things are going on in our heads and we start to borrow from other worldviews. And a lot of, a lot of times we do this um, as a way to kind of accommodate unbelievers. You know, we, we want to see people come to Christ. We want to evangelize well. And so our, our natural inclination is to say, uh, well, sure, I can believe that if you'll believe my thing. <laughs> and what happens is you start believing things that they believe and they never <laughs> they never return the favor, right? <laughs> and so, um, and, uh, again, going to Gen Z, what, what you'll find with them is they're much more comfortable with someone that is happy to just express what they believe um, without qualifiers, without um, hemming and hawing about, you know, well, maybe, I don't know. They, they want somebody that's confident, and um, they're confident as well, and they'll just tell you like it is, and they're comfortable talking back and forth about that, so... Um, but the two that I've included here, uh, naturalism, I have in parentheses, postmodernism. Um, the reason for that is my kind of pet theory is that postmodernism is a spiritual, uh, a spirituality for naturalism. It's a, a spiritual life for people that don't believe in any spiritual life, <laughs> right? So it's kind of manufactured. So that's the first one. And the other one is moral therapeutic deism. So going back to this generational thing, um, baby boomers are going to tend toward moral therapeutic deism. Millennials are going to tend toward naturalism. Gen X is kind of in between. And so what you're seeing with Gen Z is if we're oscillating, we kind of do this in America. We oscillate between these two things, naturalism pure science, it's like the hardcore atheist is going to be in this camp versus kind of, well, I'm an American, so I go to church. And we, we oscillate between those two things kind of culturally. And what's happening now is that Gen Z is shifting away from naturalism to moral therapy atheism. There's a couple others kind of new age is coming back, but that's a smaller um, group. So we're going to go through these very quickly. Um, in naturalism, they actually, so this prime reality versus external reality, they flip it on its head. So for the naturalist, the prime reality, the end of all things is the created world. It's the physical world. It's atoms and quarks and cells. What we can know scientifically. Right. And the external reality is what we think of. That's, that's like the spiritual level, our, our, what we think of in our minds. And so they've taken, so for us, the spiritual is the prime reality. God is the prime reality through the spirit. And the physical world is external flowing out of God. For them, they've just totally reversed it. And what you'll find this with, with these two worldviews. Naturalism is a total reversal of Christianity. More theism is a tilting of Christianity. And that's, I think that's why this moral therapeutic deism is a little bit more pernicious. It's because it's, it kind of smells like Christianity, but it's it's not real. It's it's a false thing. So 
the prime reality for natural, the naturalist is the external world. The, the spiritual world is a product of the human mind. And so our chemical reactions have produced spirituality. And that's where postmodernism comes in, but I won't get into that. Um, man is totally physical. So again, any spirituality, any spirituality, any like religious experience, that's all in our heads. It's kind of made up. Now, some people will say that's a that's valid. Like if you can, you know, base your life on your fictitious imagination, but it is it's it's ultimately not real. When we get to we start talking like real facts and hard science, we're, you know, we throw all that out the window. This is just kind of that's that's for you personally, but it's not for the. the if lab. it works for you, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, man is morally neutral, so. Um, in the naturalistic worldview, there's not really any serious right or wrong. You know, we kind of, and we'll get to this later on, but um, there's a concept of, of as long as you're not hurting anybody, you haven't done anything wrong. You know, do whatever you want. And it's, it's, there's no innate good or evil. So they don't have a fall and they don't have um, an optimistic view of man either. They just have, you know, we're here by chance and, you know, do what makes you feel good. They don't believe in an afterlife. Um, there's not much to say about that, you know, but like you said, this plays into how you respond to COVID. If, if you believe that death is the end of everything and you don't believe in a resurrection, then that's pretty scary. And um, that's how you get into all sorts of situations where um, like when we start talking about environmentalism and I won't get into details on that, but um, people that are super concerned with, you know, climate change and oh, the world's going to end in 12 years if we don't do something. The reason they're like that is because they believe that, that this is all there is. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we lose, you know, the sea turtles or whatever, then, <laughs> then we've lost everything. Now we should take care of the earth, but we should, we should be concerned with, with what we're doing. Um, you know, we shouldn't litter indiscriminately, but it's also, it's, it's not the end of the world. There's God's going to still redeem the world, whether the sea turtles are around or not. So the source of knowledge, knowledge just comes from observation. So scientific method, we observe things and then we process that information scientifically. And that's how we know things. Um, The morality is about harm minimization. So you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. So you have your little bubble and Whatever you want to do in your bubble is fine as long as you're not, you know, taking away from somebody or hurting anybody. Um, you can do whatever you want in your own little bubble. Um, and finally, the related to this, the meaning of human history is self-preservation, the <laughs> propagation of our species, and harm mitigation. So we want to keep humans around, and we want each individual person to have as little harm as possible. What you'll notice about this worldview is it's very shallow. It's there's not much substance to it, and if you start to think too hard about it, uh, it's it, it leads to some existential questions where it's like, why am I here? <laughs> what am I doing? Um, I'm I'm a living, thinking human, but none of this really matters, and I'm just existing so that other people can exist. And it's it's a very bleak worldview, and that, this is kind of the worldview that's really predominant with millennials. Some kind of the, maybe the back end of Gen X too. 
Any questions on that? And so like uh, the new atheism would fall into this naturalistic worldview. Um, and you can, you can actually, you can also see some places where we might borrow from this worldview. Um, the moral neutrality thing that some people believe that, that, you know, man is not inherently good or evil. Man is just kind of here. Um, I, I forgot to mention, they also believe that man has a constrained will, which seems kind of counterintuitive. But the reason for that is because it's all just chemical reactions, right? It's so, ultimately determinism. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's no, you're just kind of doing whatever you need to do to preserve the species. And um, if, if you love somebody, it's just chemical reactions. If you um, like cheeseburgers, it's just chemical reactions. Um, any, anything you do is just the result of synapses in your brain and your reaction to the world around you. It's, it's like a plant that kind of leans toward the sun. You know, it's, it's, that's, it's just a high level version of that. It's, Again, this is a very bleak worldview. <laughs> well, so. yeah, but they would say like their their you know grasp at eternity, even though they don't believe in eternity, is scientific and technological advance, right? right? Mm -hmm. And that ties into the self preservation thing. So, so I can live beyond myself because you know my contributions towards science and technology, or my being ahead of history or on the right side of history, by the way, somehow I will live on, even though obviously I'm dead and just in the ground uh, because I was connected with the right side of history, moving forward on major social issues, justice issues, and scientific technology issues, right? right? And, th and that all comes down to, they're, they're tying into the meaning of, their, of human history for them, yeah. which is to minimize harm for everybody and to preserve the race. You know, we just want to last as long as we can as humans. And if I have better technology and if I have um, better social progress and social programs and better government, if I have all of that, which is why you'll see a lot of these people at like the top levels of government is because this is the way that they are contributing to humanity. Like this is, if, I, if I'm a congressperson, I can do more for society and, and kind of self-preservation than if I'm, you know, a garbage truck driver. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and that fits too with the idea that the universities and the government now are really have replaced the cathedrals and the uh, you know, that that's right. the the universities and the connection kind of at the highest level of academic interchange with government. That's really the religion of this. Exactly. Yeah. And so everybody, what you'll another thing is what you'll notice is that. Everything is religious. There's no such thing as like a, you know, people have this concept that we all have cheese pizza and we bring our cheese pizza to the public square and we go home, we can put pepperoni on it. But when we're in the public square, we have to have cheese pizza. And that's not how it is at all. Cheese pizza is a religion, metaphorically speaking. But there's no such thing as a neutral ground because if what, and when we're talking about legislating morality, what the naturalist thinks is that they are on neutral ground. They think I'm the one that is neutral. I don't have, I'm, I'm not buying into any religion. I'm, I'm kind of off of my own as the cheese pizza. But the problem is they have all sorts of religious beliefs mm -hmm. that are baked into their worldview and they don't even recognize it. 
Yeah, like AOC is a prophet of exactly. a religious view, even though she's not, right. so and, to speak, religious. You know, your, yeah. your social programs, your protests, thing like, things like that are all religious activities. But the question is, what are they worshiping? Yeah. And they're worshiping humanity. They're worshiping science. Um, and being on the right side of history. And being on the right side of history. So... This is a religion. Y'all know y'all hear this term all the time, right? Being on the right side of history on the gender issues, on the green exactly. new yeah. deal, all that kind of yeah. So that's that's naturalism and postmodernism as a as kind of a side thing. Are there any questions on that? You already asked a question. Um, this goes back to the museums, but um, there's an organization on campus called the Democratic Socialists, mm -hmm. which is just an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they're perfectly okay with, yeah, we're the Democratic Socialists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but how does that feed and work? It's not similar to Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, which, if you can and see the volume rise of that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, that goes back to, um, well, I'll get into that. But. So that's, that's naturalism. Moral therapy of deism is probably. Um, like I said, this is this is something that baby boomers and Gen X have dealt with, and we're seeing it again with Gen Z. Um, prime reality, God is still the prime reality, but God is transcendent and impersonal. That's the deism aspect. Um, you can pray to God, and He may answer your prayers, but it's sort of like kind of a God gumball machine where, like, you put in your quarter, and you know maybe the right flavor gumball will come out, but maybe not. Maybe you'll get the green one, which nobody likes. Um, <laughs> And so God is kind of, it's its not the triune God of scripture. It's a different God. Um, the extra a less God, exclusive God too, right? Right, a less exclusive God. More inclusive. But, yeah. There are lots of ways to God to the extent there's right. God. Yeah. And so it's its kind of, there's a higher power. It's its the sort of thing you would see like 12-step um, like programs, just belief in a higher power. That's the sort of thing that we're talking about. Um, not that anything against 12-step programs, but... But what you're saying is there are people in Christian churches exactly. who actually, when push comes to shove, mm -hmm. this is who they are. This, there are people in pews and churches that believe this worldview. And in mega churches and with this view. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, the physical world is created. Reach to a moment. <laughs> 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 well, and when you go back to Billy Graham and his success in the 70s, 60s, Dealing with these moral therapeutic deism people, which is what you're saying, let's give them the need to hold on to, let's teach them what's really true about the kind of thoughts and what might be true. So it's actually better than dealing with the natural Right. And it's like I said, the you'll you'll notice the naturalism is a total reversal of Christianity. Moral therapeutic deism is a tilting. So it's you know, if if you're missing the mark with moral mm -hmm. therapeutic deism, if you're not hitting the target, naturalists are shooting the other way. You know, they're they're not even aiming at the same target. So, and that's why I, you know I kind of want to take advantage of this with, with Gen Z. You know, if if this is the worldview that it, it's a lot easier to do this than it is to totally flip over everything they believe. So, and it's, it's natural. You get completely away from capitalism. It's it's all related to the. Human good. What's what's the greatest good for the greatest number? Minimize harm, and that's that all ties into it. Yeah. So, um, the physical world. This is 
on moral therapy of theism, the physical world is created and less real than the spiritual world. Um, just so you're aware, I'm painting with really broad strokes right here, but um, this is what we call Gnosticism that the, you know, they would say the physical world is, is not really, you know, these are the kind of people that would sin pretty regularly and not feel bad about it. Like, Oh, we're all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Um, I'll just ask for forgiveness and it'll be okay. Um, what's important is that I'm have, I go to church and I'm, I'm doing like good Christian things. And that's, so what I do in the world doesn't really matter that much because what really matters is that God's out there and I'm connected to God. So again, I'm painting with a really broad stroke with that, but um, there's, there's honestly a lot of different kind of nuances on, on that probably as many nuances as there are people that hold this worldview, but um, that's, that's kind of the idea. Man is body and soul, same as Christianity, but man is basically good. So um, basically the only people in hell are like Hitler and Pol Pot and Genghis Khan and <laughs> everybody else goes to heaven because everybody's basically good. You know, maybe, maybe you mess up a few times, but for the most part, you're, you're good outweighs your bad and you're, it's as long as you like dogs and your grandchildren, right? And know, pray occasionally, you're good. You're good enough. to go. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's man is basically okay. They would also say there's another typo. Man possesses a free will. So there's all sorts of philosophical issues with that. But um, and you can actually see this in sort of the American. I'm an American. I go to church. Sort of religion. Like um, I have free will. And this is really popular in, you know, some mega churches where that this is kind of basically the worldview they have where it's um, God's a cosmic gumball machine. And I'm basically good. This I'm basically good because I have free will because I, I can choose that um, when I'm making decisions, I'm making decisions because it's, it's all me. I um, am a Christian or whatever brand of religion is, best for me because that's what I chose. Um, there's no concept of constrained will. Now there is like, I gave the example of jumping off the building earlier. There is some concept of a constrained will, but for the most part, they would say human humans have free will. And because of this with the therapeutic emphasis here, I'm emphasizing therapeutic. Yeah. That's why in a lot of churches, whether mainline or definitely a lot of contemporary or mega churches, particularly that were very popular 10, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of the sermons are not on, I mean, obviously we need to talk about marriage issues and parenting issues, but a lot of it's kind of like self-help messages right. on being, you know, set a, a sermon series on seven steps over seven Sundays to help you improve in your marriage right. or uh, seven steps to help you have, you know, be more productive in your life and that honest and, and, and so that and so that's a therapeutic you know and there are a lot of churches that that's kind of what you do you do these like little series to uh <laughs> to improve people who of course everybody issue. believes in god you know you're you're all you know but we don't want to talk about like major issues like hell or something yeah. like that but let's talk about therapeutic improvement right yeah and it's and again because you have free will that onus is on you to you know, that's why you have. To yeah, you need that. to work on this. Yeah, it's 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 up to you to, <laughs> to make sure that. Whereas, you know, we would say if, if you want your marriage to be better, then you need to have 
faith in God and do it his way. And instead of, you know, saying, well, here's, here's what you're going to have your weekly marriage meeting. And, you know, again, nothing wrong with all that, but they would place, place all of the, the burden on you as a person, but we're also, you know, so you have this moral responsibility, but I'm going to help you. And we're going to kind of like, like sort of like a counselor kind of work you through this um, process of improving your marriage. Yeah. And exactly. hopefully you feel pretty good about yourself going out of church every week. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're pumped up and you're, <laughs> you're ready to go into, you know, be a better person, be a better person. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I've already said this, their basic view of the afterlife is good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. And those things are just kind of eternal. You know, there's no end to it. Um, the source of knowledge, you have observational knowledge is primary. So our scientific knowledge is primary. Um, followed by personal experiential knowledge. And religious texts like the Bible are a result of the second kind of knowledge, the personal experiential knowledge. So the Bible is important because it's kind of like wise things from other people. Um, But you probably won't have a strong doctrine of inerrancy among this group of people. You know, I'm reading the Bible because it's it's helpful. And but I could also read like the Quran and give me the same sort of, you know, spiritual spiritual experience where. Um, it's just wise sayings of some people that have gone before. Um, source of morality. This is interesting. They, they balance. They have this piece from naturalism of harm minimization. Right. So part of part of this is I want to do I, I don't want to hurt other people. But there's also a part that's kind of self-actualization, what you're yeah. talking about, where, you know, I, I'm involved in this spiritual activity because I want to make myself feel better. Because I want to um, make sure that my kids are happy. Because I want to, you know, have a big house and a good job. And so this is about my like self actualization and find out who I really am. Yeah, and it, it's an exploration of your personal development. And finally, the meaning of human history. It has no meaning on a grand scale, besides the ultimate happiness and self actualization of in- individuals. So people like this are not going to. And honestly, it's it's not a result. Whereas naturalists and people have thought through this and kind of written books on the naturalist worldview, there's no such thing as like a moral therapeutic theism <laughs> handbook. Like, the, so honestly, the meaning of human history, they just haven't thought about it. It's people that are kind of living their lives and, you know, yeah, maybe the world will end someday, but I'll be gone. So it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> what matters is that each individual person has happiness and self-actualization. So, and again, this is, this is, the worldview that you'll see in pews on Sunday. And you can actually see how it's, it's, it's better than the naturalistic worldview, but it's still, it's not Christianity because you don't have a triune God. You don't have a God uh, that sent his son to atone for you. You have a God that kind of is up there if you need him and wants you to basically be a good person. So. But you're saying a lot of these folks who would fit into actually tend towards this category would say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Right. They would they would walk through those affirmations, but they're not embracing right. what that's about. It's it's not a it's not a life embrace. It's and they so it's they can say yes, all those things are true, but they're not part of their their glasses. They're not part of their worldview. 
it's uh, they're not gonna how they're gonna decide yeah. whether they make this business deal or not or whether they explore this new sexuality exactly. or not yeah yeah so i can it's it's a mouth affirmation with no heart application uh father thank you for your word thank you for your truth and we ask that you would um, impress some of our minds and our hearts so that when we look at your world we look at it through your eyes through the eyes of truth and through the eyes of faith um, and we ask that you would teach us to teach that to others teach that to our children our grandchildren um, and embrace that wholeheartedly um, when we fail we ask you to forgive us and uh, give your grace to us. Uh, we pray for the Callaway family and uh, what they're dealing with, as well as the others we prayed for earlier. Um, we ask that you would just uh, protect us and give us eyes to see like you see and ears to hear uh, what you want us to hear and hearts that are open to everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the best Thank you, guys. Wallace and I had when we were members elsewhere was the